everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Dale and Truckee asks, did Freud get anything right? Freud. What do you think? Did Freud get anything right? I'm, I'm curious about what you're going to say about this, I think. I, I actually think Ford got a lot right. And I, th- I think you would say otherwise. Well, I think the question's interesting first. Obviously, uh, Dale and a lot of people are under the impression that Freud was really wrong about a lot of stuff. What, what do you think? Do you think that's true? Like, let's talk about that general impression first. Because I, I do feel like a lot of people have this sense. That, that Freud was wrong a lot? Yeah. Or, or, or is that not... Do you not get that sense? I don't... Actually, I think um, a lot of people's just kind of impression of psychology is, is derived from Freud, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you look at a lot of TV, pop culture kind of references to psychology, they seem to be couched in that psychoanalytic, Freudian psychoanalysis kind of way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? What's the difference between psychoanalysis and psychology or therapy? Well, psychoanalysis is Freud's particular brand of mm. therapy. I, yeah. Um, but if you think about it, Freud was the first person to really kind of pioneer talk therapy, right? He called it the talking cure, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, I, and so I think that that's kind of... I mean, I think if you asked most people, like, name a famous psychologist, it'd be Freud. And, you know, as a cognitive behavioral psychologist, I I frequently have people coming into my office for the first time and asking me if they should lay on the couch, which is a very kind of Freudian psychoanalytic uh, or psychoanalysis holdover, right? What what do your clients do? (laughs) They don't lay on your couch. (laughs) Do you you have a couch in your office? Oh, yeah, definitely. But they just sit on it. Usually just sit on it. Yeah. I actually don't care if they lay on it or not, though. It doesn't bother me. I've, I've got a few who prefer to lay down. Okay. <laughs> but what about stuff like uh, penis envy and Oedipal complexes? And, like, I, that's also something I feel like people associate with Freud. For, you know, for right or wrong. Right. But there's, um, like, a really heavy sexual um, overlay mm-hmm. to Freud's theories. And, and, and here's where, like, in my view, it just seems like Freud is, is kind of a pioneer, right? He, he comes to this realization that, um, that, that the way people frame the world um, from their past, basically, is impacting their current behavior, right? He, he, he kind of stumbles across this kind of general notion if you will because up, up till now there is no talk therapy there is no you know psychological remedy for anything and so he's he's the first to really kind of say hey maybe there's something to sitting down with someone allowing them to talk and picking up on things from the way they um, process basically but don't you think people kind of did this before right there were Philosophers, and there were priests, and there were your friends you talked to about hard things, and like what 
did he really pioneer talking about your problems out loud? Um, yeah, I think in this way. I mean, a priest is going to give you a very direct religious, you know, it's not very ideographic what a priest is going to tell you, probably. What do you mean ideographic? Sorry. Uh, it's not going to be tailored to your personal experience. It's going to be derived from probably biblical references of how one should conduct themselves in the world. Whereas Freud kind of said, wait a minute, maybe there's something that in, there, maybe there's things in particular that have affected this person in their past that are actually, that might be playing out to, in the current presentation of their melancholia or hysteria. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> melancholia, hysteria? And depression and, and anxiety, yeah. Um, so, so Freud kind of, does what I think a lot of, of scientists kind of first do. They kind of say, hey, I th I've got a theory. The only problem is I think he didn't have a lot of science to draw from. And so he kind of started, you know, poking around in the dark about a lot of this. And, and so I think he stumbled onto a really good theory. It was just the, the um, concepts and solutions he came up with materialized out of... <laughs> out of a cultural climate that was sexually repressed and and had a lot of over... Does that make any sense at all? Well, okay, so look, just to be clear, so his, his big theory was that if you're having trouble in the present, your past and what happened to you in your past could be having still a lot to do with why you're suffering or struggling in the present. Right. And that that's something a lot of people had missed in the past. Um, as it pertained to the... Ailments of the day, yes, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, now why do you, why do you say that? It, you seem to suggest that it, all his emphasis on sexuality in emotional problems was more a result of his culture and not him. Well, it could have been also derived from his own <laughs> the recesses of his own mind. Uh, I would suggest otherwise, but. Um, yeah, Freud framed everything and kind of progressed through psychosexual stages um, of development. You know, that, that people develop um, from childhood into adulthood and they, they move through specific stages of um, development. And that that's driven by sexuality. Yeah, primarily. That was his idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, where he developed that exactly, I, I don't know. You know, cultural, his own, you know, sexual <laughs> processes, I don't know. But throughout it, there, there are enough seeds of, I wouldn't say truth, but I would say there's seeds of something. But um, he's, he's, he's building this theory, I think, out of um, observation. And um, he's not testing a lot. Definitely yeah. not. So maybe one way we can look at it is that Freud pointed out that what seems obvious to us now, but that your development matters. And he framed that in terms of, he thought kind of sexual development was key. Right. Um, but maybe his bigger insight is just that um, your obviously development matters, but it continues to influence you. Your early development mm -hmm. may continue to influence you in problematic ways as an adult. Which I think if you're a behaviorist, you would agree. If you're a what's a behaviorist? Uh, someone who believes that uh, uh, the, the the behaviors you engage in kind of predict future behaviors, basically, um, 
depending on what kind of reaction you get from the environment. Um, so, but a behaviorist would also say that, you know, the behaviors you've engaged in that have worked for you, you'll probably continue to, to use in the past. What's an example of that? Like, like at, a, at a real super basic level, if you, um, if you learn that being funny um, endears you to other people, you'll continue to make jokes and be funny. What's wrong with being funny? I didn't say there was any problem with being funny. <laughs> so what do you think about Freud? What, what do you think he got right? If we focus in on that, what do you think he got right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you pointed out, the idea that um, it sounds obvious to our modern sensibilities because we, we all grew up under the influence of Freud, whether we knew it or not. But the idea that our past... Um, influenced us but continues to influence us in a lot of ways and that by in some ways better understanding our past we can free ourselves up from problems in the present mm -hmm. or or we can at least we may not need to totally understand our past and how we might have been affected by it or uh, or been in, impressed by it but to pick up on problematic patterns that are occurring now mm -hmm. um, and realizing that we probably developed those somewhere in our past. Yeah. So I think just the idea of thinking developmentally mm -hmm. is a really important um, kind of mental framework or perspective to see someone in terms of not just who they are right now, but in terms of their whole history. Yeah. Yeah. Much more um, holistic kind of approach to seeing somebody is, is definitely being able to consider... Mm -hmm. what they've experienced in their yeah. past. Yeah. The other thing I think that um, is important is, and a, a term that's kind of misunderstood, is the, the unconscious. Mm -hmm. So Freud talked about the unconscious. Right. Um, he never, interestingly, never used the term subconscious. That's like a later fabrication. Um, but Freud, Freud had some sense that a lot of our behavior, probably more than we would like to admit, is influenced by things that aren't under our explicit, deliberate, rational control. And I think right. that's something that a lot of us, makes a lot of us really uncomfortable. Which, which to me is odd, because if you think about like, how did you learn to talk, to speak English? I read a book on it. Yeah, when you were little. When I was one and a half. <laughs> how did you learn to, you know, there's a lot of right. what we do that we don't really consciously, consciously know how we do it, or know how we even learned it. Mm -hmm. We just know, you know, we've learned to speak and, and yeah, so, yeah, I think it's surprising when people react negatively to that, to kind of think that there are things that they're maybe not aware of that are influencing yeah. them. But we really like the idea that we're under control of ourselves, sure. right? That yeah. we, we have factored in all the variables when we make a decision and that we have complete, unadulterated control and autonomy over our decisions. And what I, how I read Freud is him saying, well, you have a lot of control, but maybe not as much as you thought. Or, or I would suggest he would say not even a lot, you know. I mean, he might even say, I mean, if you, if you look at some of his writings, I mean, he's pretty almost pessimistic about what we're aware of and what we're mm -hmm. able to really kind of manage in our own lives, I think. So, yeah, I would say he, he would probably be pretty opposed to the idea that you have a lot of control. Um, but yeah, I think, I think as a first stab in this direction, it, I mean, he, he was really, 
instrumental, I think, in, in a lot of ways. And then, like all science, you know, it kind of builds, you know, and gets refined. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the Wright brothers, their first plane <laughs> wasn't exactly right. what we ride around in and today. You know, so this I think this is a really important point that we can, you can't um, critique someone based solely on their mistakes. Right. Yeah, Freud had some weird ideas about things that have ultimately been proved to be not true. But you can't critique him as a figure and as an influencer without putting those in the context of all the stuff he got right, all the things, all the later ideas that he set the stage for. Like that's that's pretty hard to to uh, you know to overestimate. I think. Yeah, especially when you're developing that kind of out of nothing. You know, when when you're um, the, the original kind of pioneer into an area um, and you generate a few ideas that may have some sound reasoning behind them um, but then you kind of try to create a theory out of nothing um, yeah I think you got to give him a lot of credit mm-hmm. one thing I, I really like about Freud a lot are and there's there's mixed research on this are, are the defense mechanisms that he kind of proposed mm. um, tell me about what, what's a things defense like mechanism? things like projection when uh, you feel a certain way and in a conversation you might project those feelings onto someone else. So what would that look like? So like I'm I'm upset with you um, because you were late to work and um, and then later in a conversation I might say, well, I think you're just really mad and you don't want to be here today and that's why you didn't mm-hmm. come today to work on time it's because you're mad so I kind of project my feeling onto you um, or or people who <clears throat> I mean the the history is littered with people who um, profess to be opposed to some kind of um, uh, behavior and it's later uncovered that they engage in that behavior quite a bit hmm. um Freud described that as kind of a, what he called, I think, a reaction formation, which is where you're kind of embarrassed to hold some view and you, you know, outwardly kind of profess your opposition, but mm. really that you're kind of inclined to those things. Mm. So. I hate soccer. I hate soccer. Soccer players are the worst, but you secretly go play soccer in your backyard in the yes. evenings. Yes. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. What about, what do you think of the defense mechanisms? Yeah. I mean, I think that's um, a key idea is that we, we do all sorts of things to keep ourselves feeling good and that when we feel threatened we we tend to try and defend ourselves oftentimes without a lot of awareness of what we're doing yeah which is kind of natural you know if you if you touch a stove right you're are you pulling your hand back or does or does your hand naturally recoil from the heat from pain yeah right like it's it's not even in that instance it's it's a little fuzzy. Like it's not like you don't have any control over that, but gosh, it seems sure seems like a lot of it is just more instinctual. Right. And so the defense mechanisms are anytime something psychologically is painful, we tend to react quickly, intuitively, even unconsciously to protect ourselves. Right. And I think Freud's idea was that sometimes those can get us into trouble. A lot of times it mm-hmm. gets into trouble, right? Uh, well, and, and one example, I think a good example of the, that everybody will kind of um, has seen before is displacing, right? If if I'm upset at my boss and then I go home and I kick my dog, um, 
I'm, I'm taking that anger that I actually feel towards my boss and taking it out on my dog. Um, now, Freud's fancy explanation for why someone might do that, you know, to protect um, themselves, I, I don't know. Maybe that's true, or maybe they're just dysregulated emotionally, and um, in that state they're less capable of um, monitoring their own behavior. But I think people do those things. So the, I think that some of the defense mechanisms that Freud kind of identified as a way that people handle internal issues is true, is, or has some validity at least. Yeah. Okay, I got one more that I like about Freud that I actually use in therapy a lot. Okay. Um, so Freud, t- and a lot of people learn about this, I think, briefly, maybe in 10 minutes in a, some kind of high school history or English class. Right. But um, Freud had these concepts he, he called the id, the ego, and the superego, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right? which are very strange terms to a lot of us. But the way I like to think about it is Freud said you're, you know, you're, your mind, you don't just have one mind. You basically have a committee in your head. Mm-hmm. And there, he said there's kind of three basic members on, of this committee. There's your, the id, which is basically your wants. It's things you want. Everything from a, you know, a food craving, something kind of primitive, up to like a value. Like, I, you know, I want to get in shape, something like that. Or I want to be a kind person. Then he said there's this other part of the brain called the superego, which is really like the shoulds. Right, so every time you hear your brain saying you should do this, it's it's sort of like you can think about it like your conscience, or it's like it's like culture. It's what your family and your religion and your culture and your society tells you is good. So you know it might be something as simple as you say please and thank you. You should say please and thank you, mm-hmm. right? And Freud said largely it's good that we have both of these kind of impulses. There's things we we want to do. Um, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not. And there's things we believe we should do. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's good, sometimes that's not. Um, what, and what Freud said is, when people start to have a lot of emotional difficulty, often one of the things you notice is that those two things aren't in balance anymore. There's conflict. There's con- yeah, there, one of them is kind of bullying the other. In a lot of cases, it's the shoulds are starting to bully the wants out. Mm-hmm. And so you start giving up on all these things that you actually want to do because you think you should do these other things, right? So Freud, Freud had, was famous for dealing with a lot of, um, a lot of his clients were um, neurotic housewives in Victorian Austria. And, and his theory was that these women wanted to do a lot more, but because of the kind of rules and mores at the time, they had to, those wants were kind of repressed or pushed down by their oppressive shoulds. Mm-hmm. And what Freud said is there's this third part of the mind called the ego, which is like the, sort of like the negotiator. The ego's job, the ego's like your rational mind, and the, the ego's job is to keep a, a healthy balance between those two things. And if your ego's not very strong, one of them's gonna start bullying the other. So he thought of therapy and really mental health is you have a strong ego. You can effectively negotiate the wants and the shoulds in your life so that there's an appropriate balance depending on your context or situation or whatnot that's kind of a mouthful does that does that make sense yeah and how do you use that in your therapy then? so you, you can um you know you can just it's a useful exercise to just ask yourself um what are what are the things i in my life that i that are really important to me that i really want right and if i'm not pursuing them why not and i think oftentimes if you really sit down and ask yourself that question 
there are a lot of shoulds getting in the way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So, for instance, it, it could be a, a good instance of the shoulds. You know, I, I want to eat a candy bar every time I see one, but I have this little voice in my head that says, like, well, if you eat too much candy, like, it's not good for your health, you know, yada, yada, yada. Some amount of that is probably good, right? But if you think, like, God, I really get sick and tired of making dinner every single night for my family. It sure would be nice if someone else would chip in every once in a while. But then you think you're about to say to someone, to your husband, your wife, one of your kids, hey, why don't you, uh, you know, would you mind chipping in and making dinner tonight? And you think, oh, no, probably, you know, I should just let it go. They'll probably get upset. They won't do it very well. Like, I might as well just, you know, I should probably keep doing it. That's an example of a kind of a bossy should system. Mm-hmm. And I think if you, if you got too much in the, of that in your life, you're going to start to experience a lot of anxiety, depression, stress, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, I think that's an idea that kind of originated in Freud that is, I think we can all kind of relate to that in some way. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, Freud's, Explanation of the id ego super ego would be much darker and um, driven by more. I, I think the the id is driven by the pleasure principle, which is kind of um, an animalistic kind of pursuit of anything that would you would derive pleasure from. And it seems like you've extrapolated it into an area of um, my needs versus um, things I should shouldn't do. Still. Yeah. But, but I can see how it's useful and, and, and at least a way for clients to kind of frame um, some of their inner dialogue. And I think that's, I, you know, I would reframe Dale's question from what did Freud get right to um, what's useful about Freud. Yeah. And I think a lot, of, a lot of things that Freud proposed may not be technically correct or have maybe been proven wrong by modern research or findings. Um, but a lot of his ideas, a lot were correct, I think, but a lot of them have proven to be really useful, if, even if we end up kind of adapting them or modifying them. Yeah, and, I, and I would think that's true, that, that a lot of Freud's theories have been modified to be given a more substantive, supportable um, explanation. But mm-hmm. the roots of some of those things are, are Freudian, definitely. Yeah. yeah, so Freud got a lot right. I think so. Got a lot wrong too, but you got a lot right. A lot right too. <laughs>